Thank you everyone for tuning in to part one as Brendan went in depth and was so inspiring to listen to all his answers from answering my questions. And for part two, here's a little bio. Before we get into part two, here's a little bio about Brendan on his website. It's Brendan M O U W dot com. That's where you can find him at. And he was just three years old when he was diagnosed as a juvenile type 1 diabetic. His journey with diabetes as a survivor's story, growing to become a brittle diabetic, he went underwent nine surgeries, lost a kidney, told that death was immediate, and raised over $250,000 to pay out of his pocket for a life-saving pancreas-only transplant. Anyhow, um, back to the hiking. Um, what, what's your favorite... Like, what was your favorite area when, when, um, you're from California, I believe. Yep. Okay. So in California, what are some, um, really good hiking experiences that you've lived? So my absolute favorite place to hike here in California is in Yosemite. There are tons of places to go and see and the views everywhere are just amazing and you you can go through the tallest trees in the world the oldest trees in the world it's like never-ending just jaw-dropping beauty and you feel like you just enter into a a different dimension or a different world and that's like my most favorite place and last weekend i actually was able to go up there and go hiking as well and so i get i try to go as often as possible yeah yeah no that's that's really um that's really cool to to hear um and in recent months when or last year at last year at this time um i believe you were facing a second round of organ uh rejections Mm -hmm. Can, can you explain um, in more detail like what that experience was like for you and how you came out a more powerful and like more better, um, like more personal person? How, how was that experience for you? Yeah, so it's an interesting thing that I, I need to preface it a little bit. So. Like a pancreas-only transplant, it's very rare. Usually a pancreas is attached or, or transplanted when you get another organ, like a kidney or a liver. And so a pancreas only, they, it's, it's, it's very rarely done because few people run into the same problems that I did. And I, for whatever reason, that's just the path that my life took. And Mm -hmm. so it's very regimented in terms of testing, in terms of what you can and can't do, and and in terms of the medication. Well, when you go into rejection or any form of rejection, it means that the body is fighting against the organ. Yes. Um, So organ failure is different. That just means that the organ itself is not working. And so when you go into rejection, the body is fighting the organ. And so you have to figure out what, what is it, what is it, what's causing that. And so we kind of went through that testing and then you go through rounds of infusions and you go in every day and you take very high doses of steroids that just drive you bonkers and all that kind of stuff. And then you do tests and they see if that works. And if that doesn't work, then they go to 
um, other forms of treatment. Luckily, um, I um, the high dose, dosing of steroids was um, it brought my levels back down. So I was okay. I was lucky with that. But at first, you you're just flooded with thoughts like, okay, what does this mean? Like, what are what are the outcomes? What are the possibilities? Yeah, yeah. How soon can I do this? What is going on? What's it going to look like? And it, it's kind of, and it, it's kind of, you're just kind of given like, hey, you go in, you come in every day for a week, you do the infusions, and then at home you slowly taper yourself off with medication, and we see what happens in a month, and we hope for the best. And so yeah. for that whole month, you just live with this like this you live in this limbo of well what is going on what is happening like what's well, i don't know what what is the appropriate way to think about this i don't know what what can i do to make it better and it's like you 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 just have to take these medications and then they up your anti-rejection dosing um which causes other side effects on top of it but um luckily it came down and after about a month and a half, they were they were able to know that my levels were pretty stable and it it wasn't continual con, continuing fighting and and rejecting within my body. Yeah, yeah, um, that's great information. I very appreciate you sharing all that. Um, can you shed some light on um, bio, bio biopsy? I believe I'm mm-hmm. saying yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah, a biopsy. So, in we, like if it's a similar thing, like if you have a growth somewhere in or on your body, they take a biopsy to see if it's what it is, to see if it's cancerous, to see if it's fibrous, to see what's going on. Well, it's the same thing with an organ. So they can go in. Um, they numb you up and they uh, put a big old needle into you and they take a, a, a piece out of your organ and, and so in my case they're biopsying the transplanted organ the pancreas and they take a piece of that to see what is going on with it exactly under a microscope and they can tell you what kind of rejection you're having and what ex- and what stage it's at and what exactly is, is going on yeah. um, and but there but that comes with a very big risk and the risk is that the organ will immediately go into failure because it's not happy or you get pancreatitis or you can get an infection and so there it comes with some pretty big risks and I've had three biopsies and they wanted to do another one and i flat out told them no i said unless i'm in rejection i'm not having another one because i don't so the pancreas is a very delicate organ if it gets one little blood clot the size of sand the whole organ fails if if it gets jiggled around too much or something happens to it at anything at all it immediately goes into failure and and I just thought going in there and taking pieces away from the organ three times was enough. <laughs> so I had to speak up for myself and just flat out refuse that that care. I said, unless we know that I am completely rejecting, um, it's it, I don't I don't I'm not willing to take that risk because I am living a 
happy um, and full and uh, quality life right now. And I think that jeopardize the risk outweighs the reward at this point. And yeah. Um, yeah. luckily they were like, okay, like we understand. It's just, it's just protocol at this point. So we won't do it. And um, so it is, it's a pretty serious thing, but at the same time, it tells you like if you're in rejection that what kind of rejection and it helps determine the type of treatment to prevent it from completely rejecting. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that was um, some vital information there given that you provided and um for for somebody um like yourself so let's just say um there's somebody sick very sick out there they're scared to go out during the pandemic uh what are some tips that you can offer for someone now things are starting to get back to normal and they're very unsure if they can go outside and enjoy uh their life during these um rough times do you, do you have any insight that maybe you were provided by doctors on how to handle the situation? Yeah. So it's, it's a weird, it's a hard thing to think about because we're told that, oh, here are the death rates, here are the infection rates, everything, you know, everywhere you're going to go, you're going to get infected, you're going to die. You kind of live in this little bit of state of fear, especially when you if you've lived in a place where you've had to stay home and all of that kind of stuff yeah um and i have a compromised immune system with a chronic illness of diabetes so i'm basically on the top of the list of the most likely to die if i get it and so what i've been told and what i've kind of learned is um, to wear a face mask always mm -hmm. out in public especially around people which i do um, unless I'm like outdoors at the beach or hiking, I, I'm not wearing a face mask. But when I go into a store or if I'm going to be around people or if I am going to somebody's house, I'm wearing a face mask. That yeah. not only protects me from somebody else, but it protects somebody else from me if, if I have anything. Um, and then the other thing is just to wash your hands um, or use hand sanitizer continuously. Okay. And um, those are the two most important things that I've been told. And I talk to a lot of people with compromised immune systems and people feel differently about it. Their, their doctor said, don't go outside. You, you can't see anybody. You can't yeah. go to the grocery store. And I've talked to other people who are like, the doctors have told me nothing. I can go do and live life normally. I just have to take my normal precautions, which is eating the correct foods and taking the medication and doing the follow-ups. So again, I, for me, it's that balancing game. It's do I live in a bubble? Mm -hmm. Or do I, or do do I try to live life? And where's that happy medium? And for me, yeah. and what my doctors have agreed to, and they just said, yeah, that's a, that's a good idea, is to wear my face mask um, in public, and to wash my hands, wipe my hands, don't touch my face, because that's that's the best you can do. That that's the best you can do to prevent the and to prevent the vi from the virus from developing in your system and uh, to prevent it. So for, it's about just washing your hands and wearing your mask. And some people aren't comfortable with wearing a mask. Great. Then yeah. at least wash, yeah. wash your hands. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wash those hands mm -hmm. as much as possible because this obviously is something you don't want to chance and, and get sick with if you don't have to. And so that's kind of 
That's the advice that I get. At first, it was pretty frightening because you didn't know what was going on. But now, we, yeah, now at least we know a, a little bit more about it. Yeah, most definitely. Um, there wasn't too much information being told by traditional media, and then other podcasters that had like um, informative doctors come on. I was listening as the months um, went by, and then it, everything started to make more sense. And making us wonder, like, were we actually doing the right thing in protecting ourselves? So, I mean, comparing what I've listened to on the podcasts and what you just told me, I just, right there, I got more information than I did in the mainstream media, which um, blows my mind away. So that, that was really helpful there. Yeah. For, it, for it, all it, listeners out there. Yeah. And, and it's just, and here's the thing. It's my opinion based on yeah. what I've been told. And I am, again, I am the most susceptible. I, I am at the most danger. And also if my, if I go into, let's just say I do get coronavirus, I mean, COVID-19 and, um, I, I pass away or my organ fails because of it. That mm -hmm. counts that that counts against the transplant hospital. So they don't want me to go into organ failure or to pass away because that oh. hurts their success numbers. So I have to make sure they have to make sure that I do not do anything dangerous. Yes. And when they were like, hey, do what is the best for you, but if 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 wearing that mask and constantly washing your hands by taking those precautions and not being around sick people is what is going to provide you the best life then yes. do it and so that that really made me feel good about my medical team because they understand that balance in life and that um hey if you don't if you don't want to go out and expose yourself to getting to getting sick then yeah. you can stay home. But for everybody else who's willing to take that risk and, and do it with precaution, they can at least go out and get back to life and in some sort. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the whole objective here is getting back to a normal life and and getting back to a, a daily routine as well. Yeah. So when so bef after the, all this is um, hopefully it's gone sooner than later. Well, what's your um, daily routine going to look like again? So I'll, I'll be returning more um, to meeting some clients with work and stuff like that. And then yeah. I was supposed to have a book released this month. Oh, about, really? Yeah. I just, it, it, wow. um, really, it's about my journey. It's, okay. I've, had a, I've lived many lives in, in my 35 yeah. years, but it's, it's about just motivation and the stuff that I have been Every, uh, along my life, no matter what, I've always hit these roadblocks. I have just been told, no, what, what you're asking for is impossible. It cannot happen. Yeah. And yeah. through hard work and determination, um, they happened. Like I, I was told I am not supposed to be alive today. And here I am. And so um, I have a book written. It's done. Everything is ready to go. But it, I was supposed to come out this month. And the whole point of the book was to provide me the opportunity to go out and speak to people to help motivate them and just let them know that mm -hmm. there are people who have gone through some crazy things and can still have a good attitude and, and can still keep on kicking, which is I love to say, because yeah. 
you don't have to be a victim of your circumstances. And so that's what I, that's, that's the hope that when everything is back up and running, when I can, when I can go into a room with a group of people and speak with, without, um, there being a problem, then that, that's what I, what I hope I'm going to do. Um, also I hope to return to just getting outdoors and experiencing life a lot more and getting back to a normal life. Cause I felt like, Oh, just when I started was just when I was able to start like actually like living life again, it was put yeah. on hold. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, I, um, I don't know what it is to be in your shoes, but yeah, that, that's, um, that's some really good strength that you got going there really good strength and a lot of people can learn from it going through any tough time and a roadblock that's uh that they have to face yeah i mean i hope so and and that's the thing um you know i wouldn't i wouldn't be in a position where i wanted to share my story had i not gone through everything because a lot of people helped me um along the way and i never i never expected that um so for instance when i was told and this will probably help put things into perspective so when i was told about that i needed the transplant it's also not it's also not something covered in the united states with insurance so you have to pay cash for it and you have to pay cash you have to pay cash up front and it's a lot of money it's 200 and it's two hundred fifty thousand dollars, um and i didn't have the money and I needed to fundraise and I never had done that before and nobody even knew that I was sick. So I had to, I had to make the decision to let my walls down and let people in my life. And yeah. that's why I started social media because I needed to get my message out there. And yeah. so it was like this huge thing of nobody is going to help me. Nobody cares about me. Why am I, I've always been self-reliant. This is so embarrassing that I have to ask people for help, but I was able to raise the money and I was able to raise the money in three months. And wow, that's powerful. It's crazy. And it completely shattered my idea of humanity because mm-hmm. I thought that everybody was selfish and that everybody was out for themselves and nobody would care. And I would just, it would be better if I just lived under the radar and just lived my life. And um, so like when I would do Google searches and try to find out what the pancreas transplant is all about, it's very hard to find. And when you try to search online and find somebody who's had one, it's very hard to find. So I think, and also to, um, once I received the transplant, I, I like had the realization that because they called me and they said somebody was just pulled off life support and they're there you have um their organ is an exact match and that is very powerful to think about that somebody passed away and and i got to get one of their organs and live and that is the ultimate sacrifice in my opinion and i need to make sure that i'm living life to, to not to make up um, for what I've been given, but to give back in whatever way. Cause a lot of people invested in, into me to make sure that I could live. And someone had to die to make sure that I could live. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to put the information out there for whoever wants it. And that's what kind of led me down this path of just being open and honest about my journey, um, to try to help anyone who's out there, who's struggling, who's looking for, a purpose who's looking for meaning 
when life just seems pointless and and is very difficult. And so I, that's kind of how I got to where I'm at today. Yeah, no, that's um, that's very powerful words um, describing all that information you provided. And over the last um, two years, I believe that you've been taking um, different medicines in one um, in different like segments throughout the day. And I see here that vitamin D is one of them. Um, Yes. So like I've never seen any of these medicines in my life. Can you go um, provide a little bit more insight about them? Like how how they help you? Absolutely. So as a diabetic, you're on insulin and... um, there are other medications you take along with it. And as you get older, like you start having to take um, a blood pressure medicine, even though you don't have high blood pressure and it protects your kidneys. And then for whatever reason, you start having high cholesterol and you, then you have to take medication for that and all that kind of stuff. Once I had the transplant, they take you off of everything. And uh, a a person that's received an organ their new normal is not anyone else else's normal. So mm-hmm. all they're trying to do is make sure that anything you take is only helping your body and is not preventing anything from going wrong. So I went from taking a bunch of medications and insulin and all that kind of stuff, and I traded it for rejection medicines. And these rejection medicines, which are the myphoric acid and the tacrolimus or the prograph and the pregnizone, which is a steroid, those are all immunosuppressants. And yeah. they and they push your immune system down to not fight the organ. And that's what that's what makes me not have an immune system. Um, so it also makes me vulnerable to the to the common cold, <laughs> which mm-hmm. which would be deadly. And so um, the last time I caught one I had it for almost two months. And so um, that's what those medications are for. And then I take two um, supplements, which I'm allowed to, because you have to have everything approved for uh, by the transplant transplant team. And I take vitamin D because when when you run my lab work, all my like my vitamin mineral levels come back fine, except for vitamin D. And something interesting that they found was people with diabetes long-term just have a hard time absorbing vitamin D for, yeah. for whatever reason. It could be from the insulin. It could, it could just be that that's how, what the body does. So I have to take vitamin D. I'm not exactly sure what the, um, what benefits it's providing, but it makes them feel better when my vitamin D level is higher. And the other one I take, I take biotin, which is for hair, skin, and nails because okay. um, the medication is very damaging to the body. So while it's preventing the organ from failing, it's also causing kidney damage. It's causing major stomach issues and yeah. it causes your body to, because it fights with your immune system. Yeah. It then is fighting the hair follicles and your hair starts and your hair starts thinning and falling out. And so that I'm allowed to take biotin. So that's something that doesn't affect with anything to help, just help with hair um, not falling out uh, so I don't go bald. And so that's those are the medications that I'm taking. So I traded 
my med- uh, my insulin and my diabetic medications for my anti-rejection medications. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that story as well. And I see that um, you've been getting very creative there with your exercises. Um, you posted <laughs> a... <laughs> I love I love how you um, incorporated detergent. Um, anything to do that was like heavy or or like a grocery store um, bottle, and yeah. you have all kinds of things that you're using at the moment. Well, how did you come up with that? So, in order for me to be able to go on these hikes, I have to be. I don't know what the correct word is, but I have to be conditioned enough to be able to enjoy them. So if I'm going yeah. on, if I'm going on an all-day hike, I need to be able to have the lung capacity and the muscles to handle that. And the only way to do that is for me to have an exercise routine, because otherwise, mm-hmm. I just—it's not fun for me. I so. Um, I have a trainer and with the um, whole COVID situation, I had to stay at home. <laughs> and yeah, so then yeah. I was doing um, workouts uh, through Zoom and I was told, okay, um, go find the heaviest thing you can. And it was like a long, a laundry detergent thing and a one gallon jug of water. And that's what we used as weights. And then, yeah, I, had, yeah. and then I had a ball and then there are just certain things that I had and that's what we were using for me to, because it's really about functional training for me. So it's about getting the right stretches in for the muscles because one of the side effects of the medication is uh, muscle cramps and muscle atrophy. And so okay. I have to make sure that I constantly are, am building that up and then keep keeping my heart rate up to build endurance. And so it's a lot of um, body weight and functional training. And that's, those are all the things that I have with that. And that again, that picture is just letting people into my life and just showing like, hey, even though I'm, I'm told no, I can't go um, do my normal things. It's not going to stop me from getting what I want done. And so I'm going to do it at home, even if it requires me to use these crazy things that I wouldn't even ever think I I would be using. Like I was using paper plates as, um, to do stretching and push-up exercises to slide, yeah. on, you know, to slide on the ground, and and um, it's pretty creative when 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 you think about that. You're like, oh, okay, you don't need all the special equipment. You you can do it with some simple with some simple things. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty crazy how even before you started doing all those um, heavy weightlifting, I guess you needed a, a certain process put in place and you started um, working with your balance and walking at first. Yep. Can, can you um, go into more uh, depth how that experience um, made you more confident in going into the next, taking the next steps into your workouts? Yeah, so... At about month three post-transplant, the doctor said, okay, how do you feel about exercise? And I was like, I, I mean, at the time I had no, yeah. no muscle mass. I had no endurance because for almost three years I was bedridden. I had it, it, my whole body just atrophied and I, I had always been active. I had always been somebody who loved to go on adventures and try new things, but I couldn't do anything. I was, I was stuck in bed. 
And so he was like, time for you to exercise. My recommendation is to start with physical therapy because I needed to start with the basics. And that was just, just balancing and walking and building a breath and learning how to breathe correctly and all that kind of stuff. And that started um, about a year ago. And so after um, we kind of got to a certain point with the physical therapist, I then found a trainer who was also who also has a background in physical therapy because I have to be careful with the exercises I do because of um, where I had the transplant, the all the muscles were, were and nerves were cut open and reattached. And so yeah. if things are done incorrectly, it's going to cause my bowels to burst out of my scar and my um, stomach muscles that are still healing and all that kind of stuff. So like the ex, some of the exercises have to be modified. So as as my strength grows and I'm able to build up my endurance, we then take steps up. And it's pretty funny because like um, every once in a while, I'll go do like a, a training with a, group of, with a group of people. And what they can do compared to what I can do is, is far surpasses my abilities. But I look at it as, okay, one day I will get there. But in the meantime, I'm working towards that. And I exercise because, as I mentioned previously, I want to have a quality of life to enjoy what I want to do. And yeah. if yeah. I don't do these exercises, I can't because my medication is working against me by trying yeah. to by 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 atrophying my muscles and and stuff like that. So it's all it's it's all about that balance and keeping that process going because I want to have a quality life for as long as possible. And this is part of it and part of the sacrifice of that is is exercising which yeah, i do not yeah. enjoy particularly because let me tell you i'd much rather go on a hike than go <laughs> than sit in my living room and and do exercises but you got to do what you got to do to yeah. make it work no that's great implementation and and helps a- anyone listening to this in the future um they'll they'll take hopefully they take note of that and can start doing exactly um what what tips you just provided there and it can help someone else better their lifestyle as well in the future wherever yeah. they are in life you got yeah you have to start somewhere and that and that was the yeah. thing for me i was i was embarrassed i was like i can't go ask for help or show up like in this state you know i um I was I was I was almost a hundred pounds heavier last year at this exact time, just yeah. because of of everything that I had been through, and pump full of steroids and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, this is just embarrassing. But I was like, no, I don't really care. I'm I I'm gonna move past that, and I know this is, this is the betterment for me. And I'm just gonna start where I can and just work up, and, and that's what it is. Yeah. It's all about it's all about taking that first step, like allowing, convincing yourself just to take that first step, not knowing what's going to happen, but just take it. Just do it. Just try it. Because if you don't, you never know what can happen. Yeah. And um, I I don't know what your time frame is here, but um, I, I have one more question to ask you. Sure. Because, uh, yeah, it's been over an hour. I don't want to take too much of your of your day here. Um, so I have one more question to ask you. Um, all your answers have been extremely amazing. I'm very appreciated about all of them. I can't wait for everyone to uh, hear all, all your informative um, information you provided today. Um, can you shed some light regarding your scar and what that symbolizes to you? 
under uh, on your belly there. Yeah. So the trans, I I have a couple pretty big scars. One was from a kidney removal. Um, one was from a bunch of surgeries that they had to do to, to fix the kidney and all that kind of stuff. But the biggest, most profound one is the scar. It's over 18 inches and um, it's my transplant scar. And it, at first when I looked at it, I thought, well, shit what like this isn't going to help me at all because it's very large and very noticeable but then as i kind of like looked at it in the right perspective i thought no this shows what i have been through in my life this is a this is a proof that the impossible is possible and um, this gives me motivation because it, it reminds me that I am alive for a reason. Yeah. Um, I might not know what that is, but in the meantime, I'm just I'm going to try my best to figure figure that out, help people, and live life live life to to the fullest. So it's yeah. a constant reminder of everything that I have been through, and also reminds me that hey, behind this scar is somebody else's organ that it, that keeps me alive. I'm on life support. And it just makes me grateful and thankful for everything and to be alive. And so it's, it's, it's been the most crazy thing that I've been through ever in my life, mm-hmm. but in the absolute best experience and the best thing that has happened to me. Thank you so much, um, Brendan, for all your time and sharing all those life experiences. Um, I've learned a lot today. I'm sure all our listeners will definitely uh, take in con- into consideration everything you've um, dived deep into today. And it, that's an extraordinary story. And I'm thankful that you came and um, took the time to share your story today. Absolutely. Hey, thank you so much for having me. And if people want to find me, because um, I am open yes. for questions. Where can they me, find you? Yeah. Go ahead. Ask me, feel free to contact me, ask me questions. I get to absolutely anybody who messages me. Um, you can find me at brandonmau.com and my last name is spelled M-O-U-W-M for Mary, O-U-W, brandonmau.com. Brandon Mao Official on Instagram and Facebook. B Mao Official on Twitter or Brandon Mao on YouTube. Um, if you just search my name, I'm sure you can find me. But yeah, it, I, it, I have information available. Or if you have questions, I am always here to help because I, th- that's why I'm here. Now, thank you so much for the time that you've given and provided. And um, all the best to you. Um, anyone that's looking for motivational and inspirational experiences, go check out Brendan's page. It's a great um, page to wake up to and um, keep high spirits up there for anyone that right now is in a difficult time Brendan sharing some very great experiences that can help everyone moving forward yeah thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure I, I appreciate it a lot no problem thank you man um, we'll be in touch I'll be editing this episode um, towards the end of the week And um, I'm launching my podcast in mid-July. So I will definitely tag you when I'm promoting your episode. And um, I'm not sure yet if I'm going to make it a part one, part two. But um, I'll have that in mind and I'll let you know when it's um, uploaded. Awesome. I'll uh, promote promote it as best I can. Yeah, no problem. And I'll 
And I definitely have, I listened to one of your podcasts too. You were, I think you were one on my, um, one of my good buddies podcast, general public podcast. Oh yeah. You were yeah. currently on that one. That was, yeah. that was really good. And you were also on another one that, um, I recently interviewed her, the hipster mom. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure that one went great as well. I don't think she released it yet. Cause I've been watching out for it to take a listen to that one no not yet but yeah it's been fun because it's, yeah. it's nice talking to people who aren't only diabetics or only have had transplants so it's yeah. it's nice to kind of sp to spread the message to other people because yeah. it, even though what i've been through is not relatable to everybody the message behind it is yeah exactly exactly yeah, yeah i i can relate to all your outdoor adventures or hiking that you're doing hey it motivates me man if if i miss a weekend of hiking and i open up my instagram and i saw you post a picture i'm like damn i gotta get to that like <laughs> it really keeps uh keeps me me going too yeah Fire, lights of sparks of fire up up my back it does i love it so i really <laughs> hey, hey man i appreciate it a lot and there you have it. I hope you folks all listen to part one and part two and enjoyed it. Uh, you can find Brendan at Brendan, M-O-U-W, official on Instagram. And if you go to his website, it's Brendan, M-O-U-W.com. Again, thank you for tuning in for Mood for Days cast. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of part one and part two. Tune in for next week's episode with General Public Podcast.